Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, so as Robert said, we're in the middle of this series uh, crossroads and uh, didn't we have a wonderful time at Spring Harvest? It was fun, wasn't it? And yeah, I wasn't quite prepared when I was going to be challenged to the core of my being. I thought I was going to go and celebrate and have fun with some friends and listen to some great speakers. But so much of what came my way uh, was utter challenge. And I love that Pete said that uh, he felt our love language towards God needs to be obedience just thorough obedience and surrender. Not because God's like a bully who just wants us to obey Him, but because life comes through obedience. Because God knows we do it our way and we always mess it up. We do it His way, we enter into fruitfulness and joy in life. So imagine coming on the back of Spring Harvest. I'll say a little bit about that later on in the talk. And then this is the passage that, that Ben emailed me that he wanted me to speak on today. A passage all about full surrender and a passage about taking up our cross, denying ourselves and following Christ. Um, George Bernard Shaw said, I like Christianity, but I hate Christianity. What he meant was, I like Christianity. I like the powerful moral teachings of Jesus. I like all the idea of peace, love and joy and serving the poor and all that good stuff that comes with Christianity. But what I can't be doing with is all this talk of sacrifice. The, the centre of Christianity is this death, uh, of, of a criminal's death on a cross. I'm not having that. Sorry, Georgie boy, you can't have one without the other. You can't have Christianity, all the benefits, all the joys. You can't have heaven for all eternity without full surrender to Christ. Um, many businesses that we know that define our culture have logos, don't they? Some of them are just going to come up on the screen there. We all know what those mean. We don't need to put their names underneath. These are the logos that define these business and they, they spent millions of pounds to promote their brand. Christianity has a logo. It's a little bit disgusting. It looks like this. This is the emblem of our faith. This is the centrepiece of our faith. A man dying a hideous and bloody death on a cross is at the centre of Christianity. And uh, many people would say, what is that all about? <laughs> well, let me just tell you for a moment, the reason that this death on a cross is at the very heart of Christianity, not just the heart of Christianity, the heart of this book, the Bible. And in fact, I would say at the centre of all, uh, all history and is this Jesus dying a death on the cross, God's perfect son dying a death on a cross. And I'll tell you why it's uh, so important, why it's our emblem, why it's the centrepiece of the Christian faith, because on that cross, your greatest problem was solved and my greatest problem. You see, your greatest problem isn't your relationships are in chaos or your finances are a nightmare or your health is terrible. They're not your greatest problem. They're problems. Your greatest problem is your sin. It's the wrong things you do in thoughts and attitudes and desires. The stuff that separates you from a holy God means you can't go to heaven. It's a nightmare. You, you, I can't go to heaven. I can never be good enough for perfect heaven. I can never have a relationship with the God I'm meant to. I'm meant to be walking in a relationship with God, a, a life of freedom and joy and purpose. 
I'm meant to have a, literally have a hotline to God so I, I can speak to Him and He can answer my prayers and He speaks to me and it's a beautiful thing. I'm meant to be walking in that. There's a reason I can't have that. It's all the wrong things I do. The Bible paints a picture of our sin being like a, a barrier between us and God. And then Jesus comes along on this great rescue mission, lives this wonderful life and then dies this hideous criminal's death on a cross. And how powerful was it here a couple of weeks ago when we heard about it is finished. After all that went on on the cross, Jesus shouted out a great cry of victory. It's finished. It was what was placed at the bottom of legal documents when the price was fully paid. You now own this house. It's yours because it is finished. No more payments needed. And Jesus shouted out on the cross, it's finished, it's accomplished, it's done. I've paid the price. You see, there is a price for sin. Either you pay it for all eternity in hell or Jesus pays it on the cross. It's your choice. He took the punishment that I deserve on the cross. Anybody glad about that this morning? He did what was necessary on the cross. It's amazing. He didn't have to, but He chose to. Jesus was God's great rescue mission. And as he shouted out on the cross, it is finished, it's accomplished. The price for sin is paid. The barrier has been removed. You know what happened? Amazing, really happened. In the temple there in Jerusalem, it's like the Holy of Holies where God dwelt. Only one man, one day a year was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, the high priest, the sacrifice for the people's sins. And protecting the Holy of Holies from the, the people in the outer courts was a highly embroidered 30-foot curtain as wide as the span of a man's hand. As Jesus shouted out on the cross, that curtain was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And it was like, God say, the way's open. The price has been paid. You can come in now. The barrier's been broken. It was picture language. That barrier that stops me knowing God and living life to the full and going to heaven. It is no more because of what Jesus did on the cross. I'm glad about that this morning. And of course, the really amazing thing is Jesus didn't just die that terrible death on the cross. He rose again and He's here, He's alive. We're journeying through this story of the cross for these six weeks because these are the six weeks we remember Jesus walking around the earth before He ascended into heaven, proving He really hadn't just died for our sins, but He'd risen from the dead and conquered sin and death once and for all. It's wonderful, glorious, exciting stuff. And at the end of this uh, talk, you'll get the opportunity to respond to it. We do this every week at Ivy Kingsway you get the opportunity to raise your hand and say, I'm in, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Christ. And if you do, I'm going to give you a, a Bible. We've given away thousands of these Bibles in the last few weeks to people who've given their life to Christ through the higher tour and other events we've been involved in. It's the most precious thing in the world, this, you know, this book. It's a, it's a guide for your life, a lamp for your feet. It's how you make sense of life. We'll also give you a book by our, our esteemed senior pastor, Anthony Delaney, called Work It Out. I was... Um, I was at Spring Harvest and I was at the leadership track every morning. It was brilliant stuff that Anthony was leading us through, this heavy teaching about how to be the best leaders we can be. One morning, however, he did it dressed as Super Mario. 
And it was the kind of weird thing, all this heavy detailed teaching with this bloke at the front with a, a pair of blue dungarees and a red t-shirt and a baseball hat on and, uh, because it was fancy dress day for Ivy. But I am slightly worried now. There are senior leaders all over the country this morning leading their services in dungarees and baseball caps because that's the secret of Ivy. That's why this church is growing so fast. Dressed like Super Mario. Anyway, but... Uh, Anyway, I don't know why I said that now. Oh, yes, I did. Because you're going to get one of his books if you raise your hand. But please don't raise your hand to get the free books. Raise your hand because you want to give your life to Christ. And, but these will help you. We know that. And we want to help you at Ivy. Um, in Mark chapter 8, um, after Jesus had started making it clear to his disciples that he was going to suffer and die, and they weren't impressed. And the biggest loudmouth disciple, Peter, the leader, got Jesus to one side and said, no way, stop it, Jesus. We love all your teaching. We love all your miracles. But all this talk about suffering and dying, no thanks. That's not for you. You're the saviour of the world. You, you can't be dying a horrible criminal's death because Jesus had read the scriptures. It's all there in the Old Testament, prophesied hundreds of times that, that you know, the saviour of the world is going to come and die. It's even prophesied a thousand years before crucifixion was invented that the Saviour will be pierced through his hands and feet. How awesome is that, don't you think? Yeah. It's all there in the Old Testament. So Jesus knew not just that he was going to die, but exactly how he was going to die because he'd, well, he inspired the Scriptures and he'd read the Scriptures as he grew up and he knew this was what was going to happen. And so he, he pulled his disciples to one side and Peter said, no way. And Jesus actually rebuked Peter in the strongest possible terms. And then he turned to the crowd says in Mark 8, and he said these words, these are the challenging words that Ben uh, said, I want you to speak on this morning. He called to the crowds, to him, along with the, di the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. How about that? Jesus said to his disciples, and to the crowds. This is not just for the close inner core of his disciples. This is for everybody who wants to follow Jesus. He turned to the crowds and he said, it's not just that I'm going to die. You've got to die. It's not just that I'm going to deny myself on the cross. You've got to deny yourself. And there uh, I'm thinking, oh, great. Thanks a lot, Ben. <laughs> you know, we've had all this joy at Spring Harvest and all these people coming to Christ and all this breakthrough. We want to be a, you know, a cool church that's relevant to this generation. And I've got to speak about dying to yourself and denying yourself. You know, I'm an evangelist. I want to make it easy to follow Jesus. And anyway, so, and, and because we're doing this you version thing, Ben uh, was asking me for the notes. So I, I prepared my talk on the Monday after spring harvest. And then Ben said, could you send some notes and some Bible that we could put on you version? And so I'm writing out the notes and uh, Danielle, my PA says, oh, this guy, Paul Robinson's here. I said, who's Paul Robinson? I don't even know who he is. He said, no, he's been in your diary for ages. You remember we've rearranged this meeting several times. And I said, could you just ask him to hold on a moment? Because I'm just going to finish these notes and then you can type them up and send them off to, to Ben. And so... Um, I'm, I'm like, uh, oh, hello. And I said, Daniel, who's Paul? Well, he said, you remember this guy from Release International, a, a ministry that works with the suffering church. And Richard Vernbrandt set it up, this, this pastor who was terribly persecuted. And he set up this ministry, global ministry, supporting our brothers and sisters who are suffering all over the world. I'm like, so why am I seeing him? He's like, I don't know, but he said he wanted to see you and you agreed. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> so, 
So I'm like, okay, great. So uh, hello, Paul. Here's your notes, right? Here's your notes, Danielle. Sorry I've been keeping you waiting for five minutes. Hello, Paul. Paul Robinson come in, came into my office, believe it or not, and he said, Andy, I just, I've, I've just flown in from Sri Lanka, meeting my, our, some of our brothers and sisters who are suffering terribly for following Christ. I've flown here and because uh, I knew it was God and I just want to ask you to bring this message to the church in the UK. Will you bring this message? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross. And he started, honestly, and he started talking about he's just got back from a, a visit to a pastor in Sri Lanka who's literally had half his face blown off for following Christ. Was left all night for dead with his little child in a pool of blood. And after rebuilding his face and all kinds of miracles, you know what he did? He got out again and continued to preach the gospel. A few weeks ago, Paul Robinson was in Nigeria, in Bomba, where another man had, uh, had you know, mili Islam militants run into his house with a machine gun and say, if you continue to preach this gospel, not only will I kill you, but I'll kill your family. You know what that man did? Continued to preach the gospel. Continued to build his church. He didn't even move out of his house. He said, I'm not gonna live in fear. And this is this guy. I'm like, my goodness, we need to hear this message, don't we? I'm like, this is the Lord actually this morning. Honestly, that's how I felt. Just in my office or this week on Thursday, you know, we have this massively high bar from Jesus, but if we're going to go to the next level, if we're going to see the breakthrough we long for, if we're going to see transformation on our streets and heaven populating the joy of salvation, God's people have got to realise that we have to deny ourselves, take up a cross and follow Jesus. So goes against the flow, doesn't it? Of our self-centred consumer culture, me, 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 entitlement culture. So the foundation of everything we build in this society, it's all about me. And it ends up in disappointment. It doesn't work. The only way to live life to the full is to surrender everything to Jesus. The only way to truly live is to die to yourself. Jesus said, anyone who wants to be my disciple. Anybody want to be Jesus' disciple this morning? Anybody? I mean, do we want to be Jesus' disciple? I do. I want to be known as the follower of Christ, the learner of Christ, from Christ. Jesus said, anybody who wants to be my disciple must, one, deny themselves. I'm convicted. I'm like, oh, how could I teach on this? In my office, preparing this talk, convicted about how much Denial goes on in my life. How much am I denying because I truly am captivated and, and falling in love with Jesus Christ? How much does he know that I appreciate all he's done for me? His great sacrifice. There's a lovely couple in this church. You know who you are, but uh, at, um, at first fruits time, you know, we all put our money in different levels. Glorious amount was raised for God's work. But this couple had raised up a deposit for a house. And as they're chatting together about how much they should put in to the first fruits offering, they're like, do you think we should put some of that deposit in the first fruits offering? And then the conversation got round, maybe we should put it all in. I mean, that's a bit over the top, isn't it? That's a bit much, isn't it? You know, so, so I'm, I'm pretty sure the largest offering was from this young couple because they put it all in the first fruits offering. That's a bit extreme, isn't it? Sounds like denying yourself. And uh, this week at Spring Harvest, I've been having this conversation with Beth. I'm not saying, oh, 
uh, you know, what a great man of God I am. I'm having this conversation with Beth about doing Airbnb on our house because lots of people in Manchester, you know, my house is near the airport and a lot of people pass through Manchester. She said, Beth, Beth's like, well, I'll do all the work and we'll share the proceeds, Dad. <laughs> That's my daughter for you, the young entrepreneur. So she said, I'll, I'll take the photos. I'll put it all up on Airbnb and we've got two spare bedrooms and we can have some people, we can make some money. I said, oh, fine, right, let's do it. Anyway, I'm at Spring Harvest and I'm listening to this guy talk about the poor and the marginalised and I just felt this conviction come into my spirit. Firstly, you don't need any more money. And secondly, if you've got two spare bedrooms, what are you doing? And so this week we signed up for Safer Families for Children to have short-term emergency fostering of kids who are as relationships and I'm going to speak again to Boaz about taking asylum seekers into our house, which we used to do and we've stopped doing. And actually, I don't like this stuff. You know, I'd much rather come home, put the telly on and sit with a beer on my own. <laughs> That's what I want to do. But, but actually, I've got two bedrooms and I've got a home and they've got nothing. You know, there must be somewhere where we deny because we've been captivated, captivated by the love of Christ, don't you think? But actually, the Bible and Jesus didn't just say deny yourself of things. He said, deny yourself. All self-promotion, all jostling and pushing for profile and glory for yourself is out of the window. And I travel a lot, speaking here, there and everywhere. And I'm telling you, that isn't the hallmark of a lot of Christian conferences and gigs. I know a speaker very well, you'd know his name. And he said not long ago, that's it. I'm only going to speak in places where I'm truly celebrated. I mean, we'd be in big trouble if Jesus had that plan, wouldn't we? And I've been to the, you know, the gigs with the bands and one of the, you know, the best known Christian bands actually have on their rider, we're only going to any place where we're the headliner, where we get the biggest profile and the loudest PA and the best attention. And they're, mm, I don't know, I'm not trying to diss them, but I do know that it's not the way of the cross, is it? It's not the way of denying yourself. See, the service leader, the headliner isn't Ben or Anthony. The headliner here is Jesus Christ. He's the one we're obsessed with. He's what it's all about. We have to become less so he can become greater. Anthony, on the last night of Spring Harvest, did this blistering talk and he talked about uh, the Azusa Street revival. It's amazing. And we all got stirred up again for revival. Fortunately, he didn't dress as Super Mario on that night. <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, he, uh, but the thing is, with this amazing revival that happened 110 years ago, where this little street in California was literally set on fire. Some several times they had to call the fire brigade and it was the fire of the Holy Spirit. And people, ordinary religious people were making their way to the meetings and were just slain in the spirit. Just hundreds of people just flat on the floor under the presence of God and all this amazing thing. And the sure sign it was a real revival was there wasn't just manifestations and miracles, which there were, there was multiplication and the Pentecostal movement spread all over the world and hundreds of millions and so much of it was birthed in Azusa Street. But at the heart of Azusa Street, the two leaders were, were a, a black man called William Seymour, who was the son of two slaves and a, a white guy. And that was a miracle, the interracial thing going on. That was a God thing. But the, the John Bartleman was the white guy, who was the intercessor. He prayed so hard before the Azusa Street revival 
the people said to John Bartleman, you, you're not eating, you're not sleeping. You're going to kill yourself. His family said, this is a bit extreme. This is a bit over the top. All these all night prayer meetings and all this fasting. And you know what John Bartleman said? I'd rather die than not see the coming revival. Wow. Sounds like denying yourself, doesn't it? But you know, some people have got to get a bit extreme. Some people have got to get a bit sacrificial. Some people have got to get a bit serious about this Christian faith. Jesus didn't just say, deny yourself. He said, take up your cross. I'm sure the crowds, when they heard him say that, must have been like, eh, take up my cross. Cross is the ultimate symbol of shame. You had to walk your cross through the streets as people spat on you and mocked you. You were a criminal, you were a nothing, you were a loser taking up your cross. Jesus said, take up your cross, take up your cross. It's the Christian invitation. Come and die. I bet some of us are wishing we stayed in bed this morning, aren't we? <laughs> well, uh, the greatest book of doctrine and theology in, ever written, you'll find it in this amazing book in the Bible. It's called the book of Romans, right in the New Testament there. It's not like if you become a Christian this morning, you know, I don't recommend you jump straight into Romans. It's kind of, you know, advanced Christianity. Read the Gospels and for a few times over and read the letters of Paul. But then after a while, you want to get into the meat of the Gospel. And it's there in the book of Romans. It's amazing. Paul, for 11 chapters, explains what I tried to tell you failingly before, just about God's great love, about the great rescue mission, about we were hopeless in our sins and then God stepped in and saved us through his son. And it's beautiful stuff. After 11 chapters of doctrine and theology, here is the gospel. From chapter 12 on, he applies it because good doctrine and good theology has always got to be applied in our life. If this doesn't change your life this morning, we've not done a good job. Because there should always be a therefore in every decent church service. We've worshipped the Lord. We've heard the Bible preached. The Spirit's done His thing. Therefore, we're going to do something about it. My, uh, my old curate who led me to Jesus, Wallace Ben said, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to make sure you know what it's there for. <laughs> and this therefore is on the back of these 11 chapters of amazing doctrine. And Paul said, therefore, I urge you, can you feel his passion? Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what you just heard, God's great love, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So that's, you know, get on the altar, the place of sacrifice. And the thing is, because we're living sacrifices, we can always crawl off, can't we, at any moment? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So true and proper worship is so much more than singing songs. I love singing songs, but I hate the fact we have a time of worship. Where's that in the Bible? Why, why is it a time of worship when, you know, Andy starts on the keys and Tina starts singing? What, what's that all about? The time of worship should actually primarily start when we walk out of those doors and we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, as our spiritual act of worship. Of course, it's good to give into the offering, but if that's where it stops, I think God has said, I don't want your money. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are two ways to live. If you want a title for this talk, it's the way of the cross or the way of the crowd. 
every day we have a choice. Are we going to go for the way of the crowd, live for ourselves? Or are we going to go the way of the cross and deny ourselves? Are we going to go the way of the crowd and follow the world? Or are we going to go the way of the cross and follow Christ? We, we have to decide. We need to make up our minds. Which is it for us? Praise God, Jesus didn't just say, deny yourself and take up your cross. He also said, follow me. Following Jesus makes it all, while, all worthwhile. Following Jesus is the outcome of all this sacrifice and all this denial because we want to do something great this side of heaven. We know there's no poor, lost, broken people in heaven. This is our one chance to have great adventures on their behalf, to sacrifice much so God can be glorified and the poor can be blessed and the lost can be reached. Are you with me? We're captivated by something, but we're not just doing it because we know we, we're like masochists or we want to bully ourselves. We're doing it because we're captivated by Jesus. We're following Jesus. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, there are two roads you can be on. There's the road of the crowd. He said it's a broad and easy road. Matthew chapter 7, easy road. Just carry on that road. There's no sacrifice on that road. It's all about living for yourself. It's all about following the crowd. It's all about me, me, me. Or Jesus said, there's a narrow road, a rocky road. The picture was a road slap bang down the middle of the broad and easy road, the way of the crowd. It's the way of the cross, following Jesus. Because Jesus said, the narrow road leads to eternal life and glory. The broad road leads to destruction. I know which road I want to be on. Don't you? I want to be on the road that follows Christ. A road that's where life's worth living. We're living with a purpose. We've got a vision of heaven. We're going to carry as many people as possible with us on that road. Of course, it's a rocky road. It's not the easy road. If you want the easy road, follow the crowd. But I'm telling you, you're following them to destruction. So don't follow the crowd. I want to show you a, a little video um, and, then, uh, and then we'll pray. And uh, we'll, we'll give you the opportunity, if you want to, to follow Christ. But know that if you choose to follow Christ this morning, it means denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. So just watch this video. Okay, should we, should we just pray then? Just nearly, very nearly finished, but I just want to give people an opportunity to respond. Just bow your heads. Close your eyes. The Lord's here. Jesus is here. He says, it's done. It's finished. I've paid the price. And if you're somebody this morning who wants to give your life to Christ and you want to say, done with living for myself. Done with trying to do it my way. I choose Jesus. I give my life to Christ. Fully surrender all to Jesus because of his great love for me. I'd love to pray for you. I've not got any magic powers, but the Lord's here. And he so wants to bless you. And if that's you this morning, so wherever you are, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and we'd love to just give you these books. Just will help you. Is there anybody? Anybody needs to raise their hand and say yes to Jesus? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else just wants to say yes to Jesus this morning? You don't become a Christian by raising your hand, but it's a great start to just say, I'm in, count me in. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just 10 more seconds. 
Any other, any other people just want to say this morning, I choose Jesus. I, I'm done with living for myself. I want to live for Jesus. He did what was necessary. Yeah. The hand at the back there. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else say yes to Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Lord, I just pray for the guys who raise their hands to say yes to you after this quite heavy talk. I pray they will be men and women who stand up proud for you. They'll deny themselves, they'll take up the cross and they'll follow you with everything they've got and you will bless this world to them. You'll fill them with your spirit, you'll send them out of this church rejoicing and God, I pray for the rest of us that you'll help us to know what it looks like to truly follow you. That we won't be little babies anymore. We'll be men and women who are on fire for you, Jesus. You show us what it looks like just to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses because we're captivated by you. You're everything to us, Jesus. You're Oh, wonderful, you're amazing. Amen. Yeah. Just going to ask you, actually, we're done, but I just want to say this, right? The last talk I went to at Spring Harvest was this guy, Simon Gillibo. Oh dear. <laughs> and he's preaching here in a, about a month's time. Now that, if you don't, if you didn't like this morning, that is definitely a morning to stay in bed for. Because <laughs> this is a guy, this is a guy who in his 20s went out to Burundi, Burundi the most dangerous place in the world. And uh, the poorest place and the most dangerous and a, a, a country that's descended again into civil war. And he's just living there hardcore in Burundi, sacrificing everything. Could die at any minute, but alive to Christ. And, and at the end of Simon Burundi's talk, because it was really kind of hard stuff. I think we're all right, are we? It was really hard stuff. He said, two questions. Please don't leave this seminar without asking yourself two questions. What stood out for you? And what do you need to do about it? Was there something this morning from the word of God or in the worship or testimony earlier, something that stood out? But not just that, what do I need to do about it? There was a word this morning in the prayer about it's time for us to step up. Somebody I don't think you knew what I was going to talk about said it's time to step up, raise our game, raise our bar because God's got so much for us, yeah? So what stood out for you this morning in the service and what do you want to do about it? What do you need to do about it? Lord, I pray that you, by your spirit, you just help us to answer those questions. And we'll change in any way you want us to so we can bring the greatest glory to you. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. You're wonderful. And if you did uh, raise your hands and give your life to Christ this morning, you know, actually, if you didn't, you were just nervous and you didn't, you don't become a Christian by raising your hand. Just there's a prayer team at the end. Come down and get prayer and be blessed and encouraged in your new Christian walk and, and if you didn't and you're not ready make sure you sign up for Alpha that's a fantastic thing to do to investigate the Christian faith if all sorts of questions are flying off in your mind and you're not ready to commit your life to Christ at least go on Alpha and you can find all the information about that at the desk come on let's give the Lord a round of applause he's wonderful let's start. thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org forward slash media